You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hello, one and all. Welcome to episode 231 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. Today we are brought to you by our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. And if you see them, you have the license to kiss them or maybe squeeze their butt. Actually, that's probably not true. So you you probably want to ask permission first, because that, that's potentially getting you in some hot water. Anyway, we've got GameMat.eu as one of our sponsors for neoprene game mats and i think i said that weird neoprene neoprene game mats and (laughs) and mdf terrain and resin terrain and stl files we also have panhandle3d.com for 3d printed terrain and all sorts of drinkware etched and dice trays and combat gauges and he can do all sorts of custom stuff which is pretty cool it is event 10 for 10% off gamemat.eu, and it's podcast 10 for 10% off with uh, panhandle3d.com. What are we talking about tonight? Well, we have a real talk where I ask, are you a chump for choosing a chapter? And that's where I'll leave it at. And then we also have a test rack mailbox from Grendel, and he's he's taking the piss again. He's taking the piss out of me, and he's being a real bully and I'm going to have to call one of those bully hotlines because he's he's being real mean. No, I'm kidding. He's just got some uh, some musings about last episode. And we also wonder, are these corn berserkers worth it? These new models, they worth it? I don't know. So that that's also what we talk about. What have I been up to? Um, he got one of my test copies, which I thought was my final test copy for Brutal Space. And come to find out the background is a little... A slight hue that I don't like, and I know this is going to sound nitpicky, but I had to change it and order yet another copy. So at this point, I've spent like $100 in copies, just just test copies. Um, That's what I've been up to. Played my second game with my Hedonites to Slanish this week with um my friend TJ at the club. And believe it or not, now he was rolling pretty awful. I mean, I mean, he was having a bad night. He He needed like a he needed two ups to hit with his Angron, uh, not Angron, uh, Archeon. He needed, he got four attacks and he needed twos to hit. I was giving him minus one to hit. And he rolled uh, two ones, a two and a three or something like that. I think he ended up hitting one time out of two ups and I, I made it three ups. And uh, we actually did kill Archeon and we, shockingly, we did actually table his army and, um, with Hedonites of Slanesh of all factions. Now, I am actually really enjoying them. They are not durable. You can kill them pretty easy. Most of the army has a 5-up save. But the exploding 6s to hit melee is really good. And they almost my whole army has a 14-inch move. And you can summon demons. And they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, I used Glutose for the first time ever. And I really enjoyed that. The one funny thing that was that was happening is I, I ran Sigvald all the way up to Archeon. And he w- they were going toe-to-toe. They were whiffing a little bit, a little bit of a slap fight. But um, I was giving Mystic Shield to Sigvald, so he had a two-up save. And, of course, Archeon's got some decent rend. But he had a two-up save, and then he's got um, a four-up uh, ward save, uh, Sigvald does. So he was down to two hit points out of eight. The, um, Archeon got a few good hits on him, and he was almost dead, but um, he was he was giving it back to him. But I did not realize that Archeon has this... Uh, if he rolls a six for his ward save against attacks, he can give a mortal wound to somebody nearby. 
So my big squad of archers shot at Archeon, and he rolled at least two sixes and deflected the mortal wounds into Sigvald, which was pretty darn funny. So Sigvald died because Archeon deflected some arrows into his eyeball. And that's how that happened. So it was, it was fun. It was a really fun game. Um, I am really enjoying the Hedonites of Slash, though. Um, I'm happy I'm enjoying them and the way they play because uh, I've got like 1,500 points painted now and I've got more on the way. So I sure hope I enjoy them. What else? Uh, that's more or less it. Oh, I updated the token sets for um, Brutality and Brutal Space now have the same token set and they use um, double-sided stat cards. So one side is Brutal Space, one side is Brutality. And uh, everything's going well. I'm just now playing the waiting game. I'm paying expedited shipping for these books because I'm like desperately trying to get this out. I'm I'm washing my hands of this book. I'm done. And it's still minor things. Originally, the standard color, the pictures were too dark. So I ended up brightening the pictures and it actually came out really well. The pictures look way better in standard color now. But I also lightened the background, and the background lightning was too much. So it gave it a weird hue. So I had to change that, and now we're back to square one, waiting again, probably a week and a half, for this book to be sent to me. Ah, what do you do? All right, well, that's it. Let's go on to the next segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, this is the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have a snide and superior email from Grendel. Grendel, one of our Patreon patrons, is really taking me to task here, and he's going to push up his glasses and go, um, actually, actually, I, I love Grendel. Let's see what he says. Oh, my poor misguided leader, let me push up my glasses and we can talk about your latest podcast. He's talking about last week, of course. First of all, if you're using any of the orc planes, your army does, does have an orc in it. Grendel, you son of a... No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I I understand that. But let's let's hear what he has to say. If you count grot tanks and kilicans as grots, then the plane is an orc. Also, do you have any HQ besides Makari? HQs would also be orcs. What I'm trying to tell you is your army is not an oops all grot army. It is only mostly. <laughs> yes. Okay. You got me. You got me, Grendel. Okay. I did actually, because I didn't have enough points to do all grots, like you know, I, we were doing the the um, make three lists, pick two sort of thing. So I didn't have enough points to do all grots. So, yes, I did have a big mech in the backfield that was sitting on objective and he never did a single thing all game except hold that objective. So if if I would have had more points for grots, then I would have put grots there. And I did have an orc plane, but it does have a grot gunner, Grendel, grot gunner. So at least the big shooter is a ballistic skill four, and there is a grot in that plane. I would like to think that that grot takes command of the plane, and the orcs just like, oh, what do you want me to do, boss? And the grot's the brains of the operation. That's the way I was playing it, okay? And I also did have a uh, death dread, just because of the whole points scenario. So yes, I, I, I... Yes, Grendel, you're correct, okay? Is that what you wanted to hear? Are we going to have this fight live on the air? Is that what this is? No, I'm kidding. I love you, Grendel. Uh, let's go on. He goes, second, while I think the Dorn tank without a bottom is being blown out of proportion, it is not the first time GW has done this. I know the Admech Dunecrawler does, does not have a bottom. We can go even farther back. The Lord of Skulls does not have a bottom. Really? The Lord? I'm going to have to ask just James. I'm going to have to verify this, Grendel. The Lord of Skulls does not have a bottom. 
So I don't know why there's such a ruckus about this model. It's not the first time or the most expensive GW model not to have one. I do agree that, you're, uh, that your reasoning about not having room on the sprue is on the right track. I guess we can ask all the outraged people if they would rather have fewer options for the tank. GW will, are only going to put so many sprues in the box, and to fit that bland plate that half of the customers won't paint onto the sprue, they will have to take other options away. The best comment I've seen about this is someone using that space for storing their magnetized option for the tank. And that's actually, that's actually pretty smart. Yeah, like a storage area. And I think you're right. I think that the only other option would be to have fewer options for the tank or fewer um, decorations. I don't know about this tank in particular, but they usually come with like some camo netting and they usually come with like a gas can and some other stuff that makes your tanks look unique and interesting. And which would you rather have, a big, boring, square, flat plate, or some interesting options for your tank? And I think anyone would say interesting options. It just seems weird for a miniatures company. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Lastly, I love the new Angron. I also want to point out that this is not the first model of Angron. He has his Primark model. If you compare that model to the new model, you can see a lot of similarities between the two models, which is a cool tie-in. Also, those are not cornrows, but butcher nails. I have always shied away from demons, but this model alone has got me interested in playing them. Anyway, great show. I always enjoy listening to your takes on the hobby and to hear about your weird adventures. Until next time, your humble servant, Grendel. Oh, also, please stop making out with your webcam. It is gross and unsanitary. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't even think about butcher's nails. Uh, the picture that I had was not super zoomed in for Angron. So I didn't didn't think of that. It just looked like they were like metallic dreadlocks. But yeah, that makes more sense. So there you go. If you, too, would like to correct me or embarrass me, I mean, degrade me publicly on the air, you can write in at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or, of course, Instagram is always an option, too. Want that or want that not? Well, I feel like you know what time it is. It's time for Want That or Want That Not. And today we're covering the Corn Berserkers. Yes, the new version of Corn Berserkers that they just released for the World Eaters Codex. And of course, yes, we've all seen Corn Berserkers before. Are these worth buying? Well, obviously, if you play World Eaters, you're going to want Corn Berserkers, right? That's like the signature unit for that army. And of course, the old Corn Berserkers look... <laughs> more or less comical i mean they're they're pretty laughable at this point they're very cartoony they're the very old sculpts from what 20 some years ago or more uh they're they're very cartoony and these these ones have obviously been updated for the new aesthetic right it's a little more realistic they're a little bit taller they're uh maybe not quite primaris height it looks like but they're they're up there right they're not the short little stubby firstborn anymore they're a little bigger they Pretty much all have dynamic poses. Uh, I'm only seeing maybe one repeated pose. And I'm not even entirely sure that's a re... Yeah, that's probably a repeated pose. So I can see out of this entire box set, one repeated pose out of ten. They all look pretty darn custom. So I'm happy with that, at least. If they're going to make them easy build or whatever, they might as well make them so that they uh, they look unique and they're not just, you know, five sculpts. I despise when they do five sculpts for ten models because you just basically have two groups of five and they just look the same. And then you get to go through a lot of effort to kit bash them. And of course, monopose models are really hard to kit bash, and it's kind of a headache. 
Um, I really don't see anything that's like absolutely fantastic about these models. I mean, I, I don't think they're bad in any way. I think their helmets have been updated a little bit. Um, some of them actually have like the corn symbol. Some of them still have the bunny ears. Um, I do like the new bunny ears compared to the previous bunny ears. So I think that's an improvement. They, I do like that they have the old style even though they're not short like the old style Space Marines, um, they do have the old style, I don't know what mark that is, of armor, where it had that Tony Stark sort of circular thing in the center and it had like straps going in four directions away from it. Um, I think those are pretty cool looking. And I like because it harkens back to them being an older chapter and one of the original chapters and all that. So they'd have that old tech. I've also been told that this unit has an unbelievable amount of damage output. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's basically what they do. That's what you're using them for. And that's what they should be good at. So I don't have a problem with that either. I don't see these horribly interesting. They're exactly what you think they would be. They're an updated version of the Berserker kit. They're a little more realistic in their proportions. They're not as cartoony. And they've got some throwbacks to the old armor. I like that. But other than that, uh, really what gets it for me is this is $60. Yes, $60 for a troop unit. Now, I know they're not like your typical troop unit. I know that you're, you know, technically they're, I don't even know if they can still be taken. I think they can still be taken in, um, in regular space marine, uh, chaos space marines. But either way, I understand that they are more elite, et cetera, et cetera. But $60 is pretty crazy for this box. Of course, y'all are going to buy it. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I guess $60 isn't so bad, but I suppose this is a want that for me with the caveat that I would complain about the price the entire time. That's, that's what we're going to say here. I will say I want that, but I will complain about the price until the day I die. Is that a, is that a happy compromise? I think it is. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey guys, I've got a question for you today. Are you a chump for choosing a chapter? Now I'm sure you're asking, Pentcron, what, what, what are you talking about here? Well, what I'm asking is, is it used to be, prior to the constant cycle of new material and new updates and new codexes and all that, right? If you wanted to be Ultramarines, well, then you would paint Ultramarines and you had a good five years or so before anything changed. And it probably didn't even change because way back when they didn't even have chapter tactics. But the point is, is you could basically choose whatever chapter you wanted and then you would play it a certain style based off of how you thought that chapter would act. Correct? OK, like I believe Ultramarines do like uh, mixed forces, that sort of thing. They're all rounders compared to some other ones that are more shooty or more whatever. So then you build your army and you paint your army and you only buy certain models and all of that. But then a new book comes out and you can certainly still check your chapter, right? But they may act very differently than the way that you wanted them to act originally. They might have different warlord traits now that you might have kitbashed your character to have a, a certain warlord trait. They might have different artifacts that you might have kitbashed your your character to have a certain artifact or something of that nature that you might have to change now. And they might have different stratagems that actually emphasize, let's say, melee when it used to be ranged or whatever. And it may actually cause you to not like the way that the current edition of your chapter plays. I know I've ran into some of that stuff with my orcs. I always took a snakebite clan for my orcs. 
And they had like a, I think a six up feel no pain or something like that. And I always liked that because I was like, oh, okay. You know, they're, they're, uh, it wasn't really for competitive reasons. It was more like, I like the flavor of the different artifacts and things they had. But now in the new book, they've got new rules and new artifacts and all of that stuff. And it just, it does slightly change the way that you play the game. And if you decide to play a different chapter, while your army is painted a certain, re- a certain way, people such as some tournaments and other players would be like, wait a second, you're playing Iron Hands? I thought you're painted as Ultramarines. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, you're just playing to be meta or playing to be whatever's best. And of course, some players may do that. But the assumption will be that if you painted Ultramarines, you must use Ultramarines. If you're painted as, let's say, Goths for Orcs, you have to play them forever, regardless of how their playstyle may change, regardless of whether or not you like their army ability or any of that stuff. You're basically locked into that faction. Whereas somebody such as myself, I don't like painting certain chapters, so I would not paint them any particular chapter. Then I have the freedom to choose any chapter I want every time I play, and nobody can say a word. If I if I make my guys gray. And then I choose Ultramarines this turn and Iron Hands that turn and um, anybody else, you know, um, Crimson Fists or whatever. Nobody cares because um, I never pigeonholed myself into this one corner. And to me, with the constant changing and things like that, it's almost a shame if someone picks a particular chapter. Now, you might like the lore, you might like whatever, but you are kind of in a corner and if the game changes its playstyle for that chapter in a way that you don't like, then you almost have blocked off any other opportunity for you to pick another chapter without getting eyes raised at you. Now, of course, you can play whatever chapter you want on the board, but it is kind of weird, right? If you're doing uh, Imperial Fists, but you're painted as Ultramarines, people are going to be like, why, why are you jumping ship? Are you just doing it for competitiveness or whatever? So... I'm wondering to you, the audience, has it ever occurred to you that it's actually better to never pick a certain chapter for your color scheme? Just make your own chapter and then you have the complete and utter freedom to do whatever you want and then nobody can ever raise an eye, ever, even at a tournament. You're like, oh yeah, I'm I'm Crimson Fist and they go, oh, okay. And then next month you go with that same army and you're like, oh, I'm Salamanders and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Nobody cares. But it's almost counteractive or counterintuitive for Games Workshop because Games Workshop really wants people, in theory, to be into the lore and the hobby and read the books and like a certain chapter and those sorts of things. But then you actually get penalized when you hunker down in one chapter and you choose a specific chapter. And that's not even mentioning the different power levels. You know, in every chapter, I mean, in every edition or codex, there's certain chapters that are just better than others, and there's certain chapters that are just worse than others, and that's just the way it is. So while you might have chosen your chapter for fluff reasons and all that, and they might have been middle of the road or even good last edition, you get this new book, and now they suck. They are the weakest chapter in the entire book. But now you've blocked off all of your options. I just feel like there's a lot of things the Games Workshop does is actually counterintuitive to how they want you, in theory, to play the game. Oh yeah, pick your favorite chapter, learn their lore, learn their the way they do things, build an army this way, blah blah blah. But then you might be really shooting yourself in the foot. And not to mention, when you pigeonhole yourself into a certain chapter, there might be certain chapters that uh, tend to go uh, assault or tend to go ranged or whatever, 
it's actually limiting your number of options for your chapter because, and this is kind of ancillary, this isn't quite as strong of an argument, but you're probably going to go in one direction. You're not going to do an all-rounder. If your chapter is heavily based on shooting, like Bolter Discipline or whatever the Imperial Fist used to have, and, oh, shooting, 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 you want Bolters, you want a Crusader Land Raider, you want Heavy Bolters, you want Bolters, Bolters all day, well, then you're not necessarily going to take Assault Intercessors because that's not necessarily in your wheelhouse of things that you want to do with that chapter. And in a way... That's kind of limiting the number of options you have for that army. So it's just weird to me. It struck me as odd the other day. I was working with just James, and I was talking to him, and I was like, you know what? I think you might be a chump if you choose a chapter. Because him and I, for years, have not chosen chapters. We just paint whatever our own color scheme is, and then we're free, not because of competitive reasons, but we're free to mix it up. And this time, I'm going to be more melee. This time, I'm more ranged. And I do that with my Necrons all the time. And sometimes I just pick a chapter randomly, I roll a d6 or whatever, and I just pick a random chapter, and I'm like, okay, I'm playing those today, I'm going to build a list catering to those, and that's the way I play. It gives you variety, it gives you tons of options, it sells them more miniatures, arguably, and it does not lock options away from you when you don't pick a chapter. So, let me know what you think, but I think you'll agree, because I'm 100% correct in this. I just wanted to point that out. Anyway, I love you all. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3D.com, as well as the Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week.